evening it can be found on page 978. It's from Matthew chapter 5 and verses 13 through to 16. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so we pray, Lord God, that we might attentive to your word and what you would say to us this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do be seated. <clears throat> The theme in our series this evening, as we look at what it means to be the church in the world today, is of a church that has a heart for the lost. I want to start by reading just a small excerpt from uh, the Guardian newspaper earlier this year. It says, the number of young people in the UK who say they do not believe that life is worth living has doubled in the last decade. Amid a sense of overwhelming pressure from social media, which is driving feelings of inadequacy. It continues, In 2009, only 9% of 16 to 25-year-olds disagreed with the statement that life is really worth living. But that has now risen to 18%. More than a quarter also disagree that their life has a sense of purpose, according to a YouGov survey of 2,162 people. Youth, youth happiness levels have fallen most sharply over the last decade in respect to relationships with friends and emotional health, while satisfaction with issues like money and accommodation have remained steady. Reports like that are deeply disturbing. Other reports indicate that the levels of anxiety and depression, not just amongst young people but across the generations, are on the rise. But it's true to say that in the church in the UK that the 16 to 25 age group is often described as the lost generation. In fact, it is one of the age groups that is underrepresented at Christchurch. There's uh, you know, one or two exceptions, and those of you who are here at uh, Spirit Space a couple of weeks ago will have heard one or two of those young people sharing testimony. But it is a challenge for the church. A few years ago, there was a competition uh, run um, to write a poem which summed up something of what it meant to be a generation in need. And a guy called Jonathan Reed, who was a, a student in Atlanta, he wrote this poem called Lost Generation. He himself was uh, in his early 20s, and he wrote this. I am part of a lost generation... And I refuse to believe that I can change the world. I realise this may be a shock, but happiness comes from within is a lie, and money will make me happy. 
So in 30 years, I will tell my children they are not the most important thing in my life. My employer will know that I have my priorities straight because work is more important than family. I'll tell you this, once upon a time, families stayed together, but this will not be true in my era. This is a quick fix society. Experts tell me 30 years from now, I will be celebrating the 10th anniversary of my divorce. I do not concede that I will live in a country of my own making. In the future, environmental destruction will be the norm. No longer can it be said that my peers and I care about this earth. It will be evident that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It is foolish to presume that there is hope. And all of this will come true unless we choose to reverse it. What a miserable poem, really, isn't it? Sorry to bring that one to you on a uh, Sunday evening, but we'll come back to it in a few moments' time. It's a poem that expresses the fact that there seems to be no hope, that many people feel there is no hope. And yet we know that there is hope. There is hope for that generation, there is hope for all generations. There are plenty of people who need to know the hope that comes through Christ. The hope of forgiveness, of a fresh start, of new life, of being loved and valued. And our question for today holds out something for us to think about, doesn't it? What is our passion for those who don't yet know Christ? Do we have that deep desire that they might know him? That deep desire that we heard of in Romans 9 and 10, in just those few verses. It's a passion that comes through in Paul's writings to all of the different churches. He's particularly concerned about the fate of his own people, the Jews. He himself has found grace and freedom in Christ, and he longs for them to experience it too. And you feel the intensity of his heart. As you pick up from that first part of a reading from chapter 9, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. In fact, he's more concerned about them, his own race, his own nation, and their eternal destiny than his own. He says, actually, I'd rather give up all that I know if only they would know the love of Christ that will transform. You see that again in the beginning of chapter 10 as well. My heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. They're missing out if only they could see. And that's immensely challenging as we reflect on what it means to be a church with a concern for the lost. Do we have that passion? Are we bothered? That poem by um, Jonathan Reed, Lost Generation, it ends with the line, and all of this will come true unless we choose to reverse it. And as it so happens, if we read the poem backwards, it has a very different feel. If we read it backwards, it reads like this. There is hope. It is foolish to presume that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It will be evident that my peers and I care about this earth. No longer can it be said that environmental destruction will be the norm. In the future, I will live in a country of my own making. 
I do not concede that 30 years from now I will be celebrating the 10th anniversary of my divorce. Experts tell me this is a quick-fix society, but this will not be true in my era. Families stayed together once upon a time. I tell you this, family is more important than work. I have my priorities straight because my employer will know that they are not the most important thing in my life. So in 30 years I will tell my children, money will make me happy is a lie and happiness comes from within. I realise this may be a shock, but I can change the world. And I refuse to believe that I am part of a lost generation. A very clever poem, a palindrome. It expresses the fact that actually there is hope. Okay, it looks perhaps to hope coming from within us, whereas we know that hope actually comes from one who created us and loves us and is with us. So how might we express the hope that is in us to others? There are some obvious things, aren't there? The need for us to be a praying people. Who are we praying for? Each year for the last three or four years, we've had the Thy Kingdom Come uh, focus. And many of us have been wearing these uh, wristbands as a reminder of particular people we want to pray for. I was praying fairly fervently during that period in May and June, but realised that over time I lost that focus. It's only in the last few days I've put this one back on and continued to commit to praying for those people I identified. We need to be praying for people to come to know Christ. We need to be sharing. We recognise that words do still matter. The truth of the gospel, the love of God, the power of the cross. People need to know those things. But also, we need to love. We've heard that phrase, haven't we? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I chatted to someone earlier this week. They'd uh, grown up in a Jehovah's Witness um, sort of setting, community. And something quite significant happened in their life. In fact, a a close relation uh, had died. And they said their experience in that community of Jehovah's Witnesses is that people didn't really care. People just wanted them to go out and knock on people's doors and sell the watchtower and it was actually quite a, a negative environment to be in. And they're now at a place where they're exploring what the Christian faith means and they're seeing a great deal of love and welcome and people who do care and do support. One of the real strengths of the ministry of, of CAP is the role that is played by befrienders, of course, including some of you, expressing love in action. And just we were chatting with Layla and one or two others this week, just an increased awareness of some of the ways in which befrienders are going the extra mile to support their clients, taking time out to teach them to cook, taking them shopping, helping them with their household organisation, And as part of that support, showing that they're valued as individuals. Recognising they have something to offer. In fact, Anita's asked one of the people that she's befriending to get involved in helping out with one of the groups that she runs. And in that, she's given that person a sense of value and identity. 
a non-CAP example of that sort of thing. Uh, in fact, it was mentioned this morning in the 10.30 service by um, Gary Smart when he was talking about the youth work. A lad of 21 searching for meaning in, in life, his girlfriend, part of the Christchurch community, and she was going on one of the mission trips. She was going off to India at Christmas. And he came to uh, see her off at the youth hub, and uh, Diane and Gary said, why don't you just hop in the minibus? You can come up to Heathrow, you can see her off from Heathrow, and then Gary will have some company on the way back to, to Downend. And so he, he hopped in and he did that journey, and on the way back, Gary and him were, were chatting together. And uh, because some of the youth leaders were, were away um, in India, Gary said, well, why don't you come along to the um, youth session tonight? You can just help out, be an extra pair of hands. I'll sort of supervise you and keep an eye on you. And he came along, and then he's been coming back ever since, week by week, and helping with the youth group, and he's been a great asset there. And then during the summer, he's been sort of worshipping a little bit at Woody's in town on a Sunday evening, as well as being involved in the youth, youth work here. And then during the summer, he heard the gospel preached, and he responded and committed his life to Christ. And uh, quite a few of us are quite excited about that, as you'd understand. And now he's just sharing his faith. He shared his testimony with the young people one Thursday evening. He's thinking about being baptised and confirmed and has a lovely, warm faith and is having an impact on others. I wonder if that would have happened if Gary and Diane hadn't said, why don't you hop on the bus and come with us? And they'd taken time with him and got him involved in things. It may seem a little bit back to front that someone's helping of the youth work who doesn't yet have a faith, but actually God has worked in that in a really significant way. That's about showing love in action. If that encounter with this young lad had started with sort of Bible bashing, in all likelihood he would have been turned off. But instead he found that path of love and acceptance. And that's brought him to a place of receptivity. It's the same principle we seek to apply in the work we do with young people at Hazelmere. The same principle in what we do with CAP, with Messy Church, with Open Church, with so many different aspects of Christ Church ministry. Loving people into the kingdom. And so many people around us are hurting in different ways, struggling with life, feeling isolated, longing for community. And church at its very best provides that healing and accepting and welcoming community. And so much of what we already do expresses that, helping people pursue a journey to faith, a journey to discovery, a journey of transformation. When Jesus called his followers to be salt and light, no doubt he expected them to be active, doing things, speaking out, speaking the good news. But the doing is balanced with the being, being people who express the fruit of the Spirit, being people who are attentive to the other, slowing down enough to make space for a divine encounter with another human being in need of love. Some of us were at Liabi last weekend. The theme of the final session there was of us being a spilling people. The character of God spilling out from us to others. The love of God radiating out from us to others. And our hearts aflame with love for those who don't yet know Christ. A lot of the conversation in that final session was around how we might do that, how we might express that, how we're already doing that. 
Food seemed to come up quite regularly. How do we offer hospitality? It was great the way in which so many people were here at lunchtime after the harvest service this morning. Many people will be coming to the harvest supper on Tuesday. There'll be a bit of food at Alpha tomorrow night and we've got a dozen guests who are committing to Alpha every week. And God uses those environments where relationships are built and conversations are had to draw people to himself. So let's continue to be thinking, how might we express a passion to see others come to know Christ? What might we do differently? Or what do we need to continue doing that we're already doing well? And let's pray for that increased passion and the Spirit's equipping to love and serve the people whom God is calling to himself. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are the one who longs to be in relationship with your people. Thank you, Lord God, that in knowing you, we can experience forgiveness and healing and new life and purpose. We just ask, Lord God, that having experienced that ourselves, that you would give us increasingly a passion for others to come to know you, whether it's people in our families, people in our streets, people we rub shoulders with day by day. Just pray, Lord God, you'd give us a heart for you, a heart for others, that more lives might be transformed in your name. And may this church be one that is known as a a welcoming church. We pray, Lord God, that your spirit will continue to be at work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.